KG, and this is not safe for network. There's nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. What's in the box? What's in the box? Montucky Skies. Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. I'm Brandon. And I'm Jenna Lee. That's my mom. If you forgot, she's sat in on four or five episodes now, I think. <laughs> Somewhere around there. Something like that. So this will be the first of two weeks where we have a guest. Next week will be Zach is going to be in Helena and sitting in, so... I'm excited about this. I'm very excited. And then two weeks from now, we're going to do Facebook Live. So I'm putting it out there now. No excuse to not check it out. Unless you're not around, I guess. That's a valid excuse. People are doing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got tons of stuff to talk about. Tons of TV. Brandon, do you have a show you want to talk about? Is there anything new you watch this week? So I finished season three of Arrow. Okay. And into season four, and it doesn't look good. <laughs> the like the out like just his like uh, character outfit is just horrific. It get it's worse. Like, it's like a latex suit with like his arms all exposed, and it's like oh, this is just bad. And the writing is not good. They, uh, I mean, the I guess the antagonist for the season they like show him right away in episode one. Oh, so you don't even get to, to so it's not you know the last two seasons season two and three they kind of worked into the villain they didn't just like show everything right away yeah and I mean, this one they're like oh well here he is here's his powers right away have fun with that <laughs> so who is the villain in uh Damien Dart. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who that is, but I'm guessing it's a Justice League he Dark was, villain. He was uh he's like a mystic. He can move stuff with his mind. Justice League Dark. <laughs> and he uh originally when uh in the show the Raja Ghoul mm-hmm. um that's when uh, he came that's in Liam Neeson in the Batman movies. The okay. Christopher Nolan Batman movies. <laughs> yeah, when he first came into power, he was up against Damian Dark for the Rajah Ghoul position. And basically, the guy was uh, ended up being Rajah Ghoul, ended up winning. And so this guy has kind of been in the background a little bit, but we hadn't seen him on screen. But I'm just, oh, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> So it's exactly as promised from everybody who watches Arrow. Yeah. Um, I did watch the first, oh, was it two or three episodes of uh, the new season of American Horror Story. Oh, how is that? I It's actually. I knew it, I knew it was going, but I didn't say anything because I have no confidence. It's pretty good. Like, it is pretty good? It is probably so far, if not the best season Outside of the first one, it's probably the best season. Now, this is—is is this supposed to be about the colony that disappeared? It's like back in the what? Yeah, 1700s? it's the Roanoke, Roanoke. colony. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they uh, 
I mean, it's no, just kind of... It's correct just kinda, me on, it's correct just, me on Mike. It's okay. 1500s, not oh. the 1700s. Wow, sorry. that was a long time ago. Yes. But it's got a lot of... Uh, it's told in like a... Uh, what the unsolved mysteries where they have like people talking about their experience on please film. tell me they have robert stack if they got the ghost <laughs> of robert stack that would be just amazing oh is he dead he's been dead for a long time there's gotta yeah. be somebody who can do a good robert stack <laughs> but well they don't have like a host but it's it's done that way where people are talking in front of a camera about what happened and kubu gooding jr's like plays the main character or is one of the main characters cuba getting juniors in this yeah and he's really good see that was my issue going into the hotel season was and by the way american horror story mom i'm not gonna recommend it because the last couple of seasons have been garbage um but before that it was pretty good and a lot of it had to do with jessica lang like yeah. Jessica Lane is amazing, and it's not really a horror story, even though it says horror story. Oh well, maybe I'll check out the. It's pretty gruesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are things, but it's like it's more. The show deals more with taboo stuff. With like the overall arc is like usually a horror kind of thing, but like it's not really a horror. And the more they explain, the less teeth it has. The. Uh- this one was the other thing that's kind of interesting is it kind of has like a Blair Witch sort of thing going on, where it's got like the spirit little people tying together sticks and straw and stuff and hanging it from the, Ooh. and it's just kind of it's kind of creepy. Okay, so I mean it's, <laughs> it's on your suggestion. So. On your suggestion, we're gonna check these out. Like then. the last couple seasons have been actually I think since like season whatever the second one where they started bringing in aliens asylum yeah <laughs> that was the like there's from there like freak show got a little better but hotel was just garbage and yeah yeah I there was a witch one between yeah that two. one was pretty bad too. I thought the witch was all right but yeah it's definitely like a step down in quality yeah I actually think the first season was probably the best this season is up there with it Okay, that's good to hear. That's the thing with that show is that every season it's a completely different show. And I mean, as far as I can remember, that was the first like show with any kind of legs that did that where they just like yeah. every season it's a new thing, but they recycle a lot of the actors like playing mm-hmm. different roles. So it's like you can like have a bad season and just check out and <laughs> just check back in the next season. No problem. Yeah. Like we watched the hotel. We watched the first episode and I was like, Nope. Like <laughs> I, I knew halfway through no way. I just didn't trust it. Cause they didn't have Jessica Lang. And I was like, the writers don't seem like they're particularly good. So it was about the acting for me. And once I took that away, I was like, Nope, Lady Gaga is not going to fill that void that, <laughs> that no. Jessica Lang left. Jessica Lang's a pretty good actress. Yeah. She was really good in, in the yeah. show. Like she played, she was pretty much the lead character in the first three or four seasons. Yeah. So this, this one, the other person other than Sarah Paulson, cause Sarah Paulson and Cuba Gooding Jr. Play a married couple mm-hmm. and they buy a house and, uh, North Carolina and outside of those the other character she plays the the person telling the the recap of the not the recap but like 
she's the person behind the mic telling her perspective mm-hmm. um is and i don't know her name but um she plays tara's mom in true blood i don't know if i got that far in true blood where i know tara's mom i can't remember she played just a raging alcoholic yeah i don't think i got far enough to where they introduced but her but she's least I don't remember. pretty good in that like she's better than her reenactment actress okay is like her reenactment is just a young woman, and but um, the one that's telling the story, she's pretty convincing. Oh, um, a way to sell season one and two, mom. Yeah, Spock number two is in them. <laughs> Zachary Kinto. Oh, okay. Well, then I must he check is it out. so good. In I the love first Zachary season. Quinto. He's really funny in the first season. <laughs> In the second season. He is terrifying in the yes, second season. Yes, he's terrifying in the second season. I really liked him in Heroes because they flipped his character around. Yeah, I didn't get that far into it, but I saw like a random episode from the fourth season. I was like, what? He's a good guy now? What's yeah. going on? Because <laughs> he's basically the Highlander of like Heroes. He just like kills people and takes their powers. Yeah. But then he flips around. I forget what happened to cause him to flip, but he fell in love, I guess. Ah, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> that'll mellow you out. <laughs> um, okay, so did you see anything else? That's about it. Oh, I'm so disappointed. You didn't watch Luke Cage at all? No. Okay, here's what I got to say about Luke Cage. First off, you do not have to have any connection to the other Netflix shows. Like it stands alone. There are connections, but they explain whatever you need to know in very little expo- uh, exposition. So you really don't have to see anything else. Um, so far in, I think this is my favorite. Like, and I love Jessica Jones so much, but like this is awesome. Like the tone is so good in it. They they like really they mix. It's interesting because they're trying to like incorporate Harlem history quite a bit into the show, and so like the music they use like hip hop at certain scenes when he's on the street or whatever, and then like the music that they use when it's like Luke Cage's music. A lot of the time it's seventies, like you know a little bit of wah, but not like overdoing it like enough where if you're not paying attention you won't notice it. It just feeds the mood. So like kind of like shaft style music in a way, not with any words, but I mean like instrumental shaft kind of stuff. Um, And then they also use a lot of like, like a lot of like soul in that. I noticed uh, the promo they were using a old dirty bastard. Yeah. There's a lot of famous musicians in this show. I'm not even going to go through the list, all of them, but like, they use it like every time they're in a club, it's like a legitimate musician who are in a club and there's club scenes in every episode, like, like a lot of them. So it's like, it's clearly got a lot of people interested in like being in the show and they're taking advantage of it. And it's great. The second thing that I really love about this show, like, maybe even the best thing about the show, his uniform is a hoodie. Like he's this big black dude (laughs) in a hoodie, man. And he keeps wearing hoodie and I love it. Like it's just such a statement and he's bulletproof. (laughs) What are the cops going to do now? 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there there is that thing like the cops seem powerless against him and the crooks are powerless against him. So far, I'm seven and a half episodes in. Like, it's so good that I had to cut it at a half episode because I just, I knew I could only get half of one in, but at least I could get half of one in today. Like, that's how much I love this show. It is so good. And it's got a great cast. Yeah, like, really good actors in it. Like, and I guess I was reading that they were intending on doing Luke Cage's, so they were going to do Daredevil, Jessica Jones, season two of Daredevil. Then they were going to do the... um the iron fist and then they were going to do the uh luke cage and defenders they like fast tracked luke cage because his character was so popular in jessica jones they like people were so excited about it and they got such good reviews for mike coulter's performance that they were like we're just gonna put this ahead of iron fist so they pushed that aside that's gonna be the next one that comes out and there's a lot of talk that he's Luke Cage is going to be in a lot of Iron Fist too because they like kind of team up in the comics, and they already have the love interest that they both share is like heavy in this. That's the other thing about this show. When you talk about the main characters, they're all black. Like they have yeah. one guy who's like working his way in, who's getting more and more of a part, who's white, but like the rest of the cast is is black, which I really appreciate too. Like it really. Like, it looks like what I've seen of Harlem in real life. Not Like, they don't just, like, work in all these white characters and stuff and still whitewash some of it and just have a couple black characters. Like, it's a black show. And it's just so good, man. Like, the, the tone is just perfect. I love the way that they play Luke Cage. They could have played him as, like, a mercenary, which was what he was like in the comic for a long time. But they very smartly put that in the background. And he's more doing it to help out the city right now, which I think is a good choice, too, because it looks like it's in poor taste if you just have him grabbing the paycheck all the time like he does in the comic book. Um, It's just it's amazing, dude. And it's so much fun when you watch him like take down people because it's not even like like people shoot him and it's. He's he just, not even annoyed most of the time. He just like slowly keeps walking almost like a monster, but like or he not sneering like a monster. Yeah, he just lets them like shoot him for a long time until they run out of bullets. And then he just like smacks them into a ceiling or something and they're done. Like it's so great. And says, I'm getting annoyed because I have to change my clothes all the time. There's bullet holes in them. <laughs> and even though they do like play a little bit on the black exploitation stuff in the seventies, they don't let that overtake it, which is really smart too. Like it's a show of today. And so the example I give is I think it's episode five they do his entire origin story where he's in prison and where he gets his powers. And they could like, that's the only time so far in seven and a half episodes that he says his catchphrase, sweet Christmas. And it's like at the perfect moment when he says it, and he even says it in Jessica Jones, like three times or no, yeah. he says it twice. And in the show, he only says it once. So they're not overdoing it. They have one little thing where he wears a seventies outfit but they make it make sense the way he looks there. And he's only in the in those clothes for like, I don't know, five minutes. And then he's out of it. He looks, he catches a, a look of himself and he's like, I look like a damn fool. And then like, he ne- you never see him looking like that again. He's got the long hair and stuff because he's in prison. But 
I'm just like really impressed with this show. And it's really impressive when you put it upside of Jessica Jones and Daredevil because the fight styles are different with all of them. Like they have these choreographed fight scenes, but they're done in a completely different way. Like Daredevil is very much like, like kind of like ninja stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of martial arts. It's a lot of like flashy, like kicks and like quick punches and things like that. You look at Jessica Jones, she just uses brute force. Like she very sloppily throws people into walls and knocks them out and things like that. Luke Cage is just like indifferent, lets them shoot him. And then he just like punches somebody really hard and it's done. It's like one hit and they're done. Like every time (laughs) there's not like these protracted fight scenes like there are in daredevil, which can make the show suffer a little bit on some episodes. They can feel a little bit long when you get into like a seven minute fight scene. But in this one, it's just like he pops somebody in the face and they're done, dude. Like (laughs) he is very effective at his job, which I really enjoy. (laughs) Takes down uh, doors with one punch. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there is that, that trailer is so great too. And it's like that scene is even longer than it is in the trailer, but where he's like, He's getting shot up and he rips the car up, the car door off and bangs down the door and walks through and just like uses it. He's using it as a shield not because he doesn't want to get like he's worried about getting shot but because he's tired of his clothes getting bullet holes all over him. <laughs> <laughs> it just wraps a door around somebody, knocks somebody out in the bar, like punches through walls, like grabs stuff. It's amazing, dude. Just takes out everybody in like 5 minutes. It's, it's such a joy to watch that show and even the villain like they really they come up with like a good way of keeping the villain around and keeping him able to do things even though he's completely outmatched like it's just it's really smartly made so i, I can't speak highly enough of the show like definitely check it out um you said you liked it too, right, Mom? Yeah, yeah, I like it. What I was awake for, yeah. I really liked. <laughs> we were watching a lot late at night because it's there's you don't necessarily want to watch it with the kids, so yeah. you probably yeah. watch it with like Shannon. But I I don't know if like if if you're worried about excessive use of the N word, he does not like he like Luke Cage finds it very insulting. But, like, a lot of the gangster characters throw it around all the time. So, <laughs> you know, like, you might not want to watch it with your kids for the language. Yeah. Um, that's really it. I well, mean, there's a little bit there's of There's, like, a sex, sex scene, scene in the first episode. Yeah. But it's no worse than, like, some PG-13 bad. movies, I would yeah. say. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's not too explicit. Like, if you, if you take into account the language, it's very much PG-13, I would say. Yeah. Um. Okay, and then there was some other Netflix news, like Iron Fist. Apparently, they they dropped another trailer, and they just showed like this little incense bowl, and like this dragon kind of formed out of it, which tells me they're totally going balls out on the mystical thing, which I dig because mom, Iron Fist has a great origin story. I'm gonna tell you what Zach told me on this very podcast, which got me into Iron Fist and reading some of his comics. Uh huh. So here's how he became Iron Fist. He punched a magical dragon in the face. <laughs> okay, that sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Who would punch a dragon? <laughs> Danny Rand would. <laughs> so he's a and, and that made it. Oh, so it melted his fist or something? 
Oh, you get some mystical power from it. Oh, don't okay. overthink it. Don't. <laughs> okay. Maybe you'll understand some when you don't watch Doctor Strange. Look into it too close. Huh? Yeah, he's a, he's a character in the comics <laughs> that likes to hang out with Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. So they're in that mystical kind of realm. Uh-huh. But Danny Rand gets his fit, like gets his iron fist dirty all the time. He's always fighting in the alleyways. So okay, that's that's why they could justify him being with these other characters. But it, it's a world with magic, then apparently. Yes, I mean, like I, I, I can't imagine how they don't put magic into the Iron Fist story. It yeah. just doesn't make sense otherwise. For what Marvel's done, I'm hoping they show him punch a magical dragon. Oh, I'm hope, and the dragon's name is Fing Fang Foom. So, <laughs> okay. wow. are we in the? In Asia or something? <laughs> yeah, he was in Asia when he punched okay. the magical dragon. Okay, that makes sense then. But technically, he was probably in another dimension. Okay, but... <laughs> but he was in Asia when he entered that... Dimension. It's not important. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Don't explain. I'm sure it takes the magic away. <laughs> and then the next Netflix show, they, uh, they came out and said for sure, the next show is going to be The Defenders. Or no, it's going to be Iron Fist. Which is going to be, they gave it a date. It's like March 3rd. They're going to drop all the Iron Fist. So that'll be 10 episodes. Then they're doing the Defenders, but they haven't dropped the date yet. And then the next one after that, you got to guess? The next Netflix show? No. It's going to be The Punisher. So they are finally. They're definitely doing The Punisher. Yeah. And they they have some pictures of them. They're going to film The Punisher and Iron Fist at the same time, which is telling me they're extending their crew so that they can churn out more of these things because they were having the same uh like the same directors the same production teams like working on one show at a time now they're gonna speed it up it looks like so hopefully we won't see a slip in quality but we'll see twice as much that's what i'm hoping but enough about netflix shows um what else did we watch? We watched Westworld today. Yes. Brandon saw the tail end of it. Yeah. What did you think from the little bit you saw? You saw like 10 minutes. Yeah, I saw about 10, 12 minutes of it. It intrigued me. Yeah. So this is basically, if you haven't seen the movie, which I'm trying to remember how much of the movie is really even covered. It seemed like it wasn't very much like the movie. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I saw the movie when it first came out in theaters, so it's been I think they may have like yeah, and so they have a line where they said like none of basically none of the uh robots have malfunctioned for thirty years. Yeah. So they do so I was wondering if that was their way to say like the movie Westworld did happen, this is after that. Yeah. Which I, is a cool way to do it if that's what they're yeah, saying. I really like their shout out to Leonardo da Vinci with the when they were manufacturing the robots. They've got them with the circle, perfect and, circle, and the arms and legs outstretched like he does in all his uh, anatomy sketches. Right, right, the perfect he, man. Right, where because yeah. people would always draw in real life, not in the show. <laughs> people would always try and draw um, humans, and they would do the wrong proportions because they were trying right. to, to make a perfect circle with a human, and Leonardo da Vinci showed that, no, you can do it with the with the di- actual dimensions of a person. And yeah. so he showed how it was done. Yeah. With the six arms. With those s- With the <laughs> Vishnu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the sound of Vishnu? <laughs> no, it's all the arms going up and all down. Right. And down okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's like, bow, bow. <laughs> By the way, did you see that Saturday Night Live? Yeah, I watched Saturday Night Live this week. Yeah, when they did the <laughs> bow, bow with Margot Robbie, she's like a librarian who's supposed to be like sexy and they're watching and then she's like pulling she's like whipping around her hair and her hair starts falling oh out yeah her teeth <laughs> i thought she was a teacher i thought wasn't she librarian. i thought she was a librarian oh okay yeah. maybe it's a librarian. Yeah. i yeah. thought it was a sexy librarian and then the thing. tooth goes <laughs> <laughs> she straight up murders a dude <laughs> and they're at first you're like oh yeah, yeah. and then they're like what, what? <laughs> she murdered him <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that got me thinking. But back to Westworld. So it's it starts out like a Western, which I really wanted to love it right away. But I'm like, God, I hate Westerns. And they spend like the first like 15 minutes on the Western end. And then the shit slowly gets better and better and better. And I'm like all in by the end of the episode because they let the sci-fi futuristic stuff creep in more and more and more. But basically the whole premise from what I can tell is that um, <clears throat> much like the movie, people go in and they have their Western fantasies, but everybody's Western family, Western fantasy seems to involve shooting people and killing them or having sex with the robots. And there's there, Ed Harris plays a dark, demented, <laughs> demented person. Like he, and he plays it like he's a villain in a Western, but like the guy's clearly a a real person and he's like, he's just like serial killer style, like killing people. Yeah. I mean, just dark. And you look at this like, God, I would be afraid of that person. Like, cause he is living out some dark fantasies. I think I'd be afraid of all the people that come in there because yeah. they all seem to like to shoot people and laugh as they die and... But I feel like those people, and I don't think it's right, and I think they're making that point, but I think yeah. those people are in for the vicarious fantasy, and they're probably in and out, and they're giggling like they're at Disneyland or something. That yeah. dude is, like, getting off on it. Well, yeah, he said he'd been like, there 30 times. Yeah, like, he's he's got some deep, deep-seated issues, clearly. He's clearly a psychopath. Yeah, Ed Harris, really good at playing a bad guy, if you didn't know. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty chilling. <laughs> um, Anthony Hopkins does a really good job with the scientist. You can tell that there's like darkness in him, but like the way he plays it. Yeah. He's such a good actor. He is good. He really is, because it would have been easy to do like a Hannibal style thing there, but he's not yeah. at all. Like he's definitely analytical. But there's clearly some pondering going on. Like, he doesn't want to just deactivate robots that aren't working. He wants to know why. And he's yeah. really, like, trying to figure out. And you can tell, like, he's a bit haunted by what he's doing. Yeah. Am I wrong in reading that? Or No, I think that's... I think he maybe has a little bit of a sense that, gee, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. Yeah, but... Especially when the one robot says he wants to meet his maker. Yeah, yeah, that's creepy. And so that's when you're starting to get in the territory of the movies in because the robots yeah. just turn on the, the tourists and start slaughtering yeah. them in the movie. And my big um, unanswered question about the series is, how many fly wranglers are there in Hollywood? <laughs> yeah, you brought this up. How much do they get paid? And how do you train flies? Okay, we should not talk <laughs> about that last thing. But like, yeah, there's a lot of scenes where they're showing that they're robots because there's certain times where they're not moving. 
And then you see a fly come up and it's like going down their cheek and over their eyeball and up their nose and they just yeah. don't like have any reaction whatsoever. But there's also this question of like sentience with the robots. Like they're playing with that, which is really interesting. It looks like it looks like it's gonna be a really good show. And the pedigree is pretty high. I mean, it's yeah. like a JJ Abrams production. Uh, like I said, Anthony Hopkins. You have I don't know the guy's name, but he's in a bunch of Mission Impossible movies and a bunch of James Bond movies. Like the black dude who's going bald. Do you know who I'm talking about? Um, like he's the computer guy in, in the first two Mission Impossible movies for sure. I didn't see any more. Um, he's in the he's in the first two Daniel Craig movies too. Yeah. Uh, I cannot think of his name. I think he has an African sounding name, but yeah, I could be wrong on that. But he's, I mean, like the acting is really good. James Marsden is in it. And like, who does James Marsden? So he is the sheriff who keeps failing because he can't hurt the, the tourists at all. Okay. So he's in a ton of things. Um, he's, yeah, I know he is, and I always get confused with him because there's two actors with the same name. He likes to play the... He likes to... I don't know. He's stereotyped often in playing the boyfriend who um, right. is overmatched. Yeah. <laughs> which he's doing in this as well. Yeah. But like he's in, he's in like Spider-Man 2 uh, yeah. as like Mary Jane's fiance. I haven't And Peter Parker stakes away. Spider-Man? I haven't seen Sam Spider-Man. Raimi's Spider-Man. I haven't seen any of the Spider-Man movies. The yeah. Spider-Man movie? First two are pretty good, but don't Amazing Spider-Man. No. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um he's in that. He's in uh Oh god, he's in Superman Returns. He plays Lois Lane's fiance who is just completely overmatched by Superman. <laughs> <laughs> he like he plays that character a lot. I yeah. think he might be a voice entangled if you've had to suffer through that movie. I have not. Yeah. Had to. He was on some <laughs> kind of he was on some kind of like a so or not soap opera. Um Well, was, he was on some kind of like fairy tale movie too. Yeah, and I always mix him up because the guy that played in Buffy the Vampire Slayer was James Marsden too, but it's a different guy. Ah. Uh, I'm surprised that the Screen Actors Guild let that happen. They probably have a different middle initial in there somewhere. Yeah, that's why Michael J. Fox has a J. He actually doesn't have a middle name. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, that's a true story. He does not have a middle name. They like he had to add it for the Screen Actors Guild because there's already a Michael Fox. Yeah. So, yeah, and I remember Uncle David one time uh, when I first found that out. They didn't give the reasoning, but I found it out later in life. But like we had a Trivial Pursuit question, which was what. What was Michael J. Fox's middle initial, or what did the middle initial stand for? And it was nothing. But I remember hearing Uncle David refer to him as Michael Fox over and over again before that, and I was like, "That's an odd thing to call him, even though it's yeah. technically his name." Like nobody leaves the J out. But yeah, everybody Uncle David. says Michael J. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess he was right, and we were wrong. <laughs> I guess. Maybe he learned from that Trivial Pursuit question. Could be. I don't know. Are you looking up something there? Yeah, I'm trying to find that actor you were talking. James about. Marsden. No, I know who James. Oh, Marsden. oh, the the uh, the other guy. Yeah, yeah, he's good, man. <laughs> he's really good. 
you would recognize him if you saw him too. Um, anyway, yeah. let's see. What else did we watch? I feel like. Did you watch the uh, premiere of Ash vs. Evil Dead? Yes, I did. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Season two. Mom watched it that. too, even though she's kind of out of her depth because you've only seen the first episode of season one, right? Or did you watch more? I watched more. Oh, really? You took the ball and ran with it? Yeah, I watched some of them. Nice. Even though they're kind of gory. Mom pointed out <laughs> that Lee Majors was uh, Ash's dad in that episode. You yeah. didn't notice that? I knew that I knew who it... Okay, let me rephrase that. I knew that he was famous the way that they showed him. I knew that he was vaguely familiar. I, however, don't think I've seen anything with Lee Majors. And I he, knew of the $6 million man. So when she told me that, I was like, oh, that makes sense. And that's why they made the $6 million man joke. I know, you, I know one glove. show you've seen with Lee Majors. What? Out Cold. The movie with uh, Zach, Zach Galifianakis. Galifianakis. Dude, we were drunk in a hotel years ago. <laughs> but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> he plays the bad guy in that movie. Okay, so I had seen something with him in it. I mean, like, he looked vaguely familiar, but... And I knew he was, like, somebody. I just didn't know who when I was watching it until yeah. Mom called it out. And I'm like, oh, that's really clever. That makes sense. Because yeah. well, Ash is sort of a $6 million It's funny, because I, I watched... I started watching it last night, and uh, um, Ash is really like a three hundred forty nine dollars and ninety nine. <laughs> like I figure that's how much the chainsaw and the glove cost. And my wife came in, and she walked in the room after, or the scene with Lee Majors in it, mm-hmm. and she says, "God, he got old." <laughs> and then yeah. I'm like, Lee Majors. She's like, oh, shit, that's Lee Majors. I was talking about Bruce Campbell. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bruce Campbell. <laughs> I like that they play it up, though. Uh, yeah. I was listening to him in an interview today, and uh, he was talking on The Nerdist, but it was he was originally talking at San Diego Comic-Con. They just finally released it. And uh, he was talking about when they went to get Lee Majors, and he's just like... He was like, the guy like went to watch the episode and they were like telling him about it. And so he was like, he, he was like, all right, well, let me, let me check it out and see if I want to do this. <laughs> and so he figured at that point he would be out once he watched an episode, but he watched it and he liked it because of the comedy. He uh-huh. didn't like the blood, but he liked the comedy. And so he was like, oh, wow, we got Lee Majors. So the first time he gets covered with blood, apparently, like Lee Majors just had like a thousand yard stare while he was sitting there. And he was like, that day I was like, you know what? I'm not going to talk to Lee today. I'm just going to walk on by and go to the craft service table. (laughs) But uh, Bruce Campbell was talking about how, you know, they decided to play with the age of Ash because he's just like... He's like, here's the thing. The first thing we did with any notoriety was Evil Dead, which is true. They were literally making it when they were college students. Right. And it took them four years to make that movie because they had to keep raising money. So it was made in, over the course of four years, like yeah. even shot. Uh, it started out with women who turned into these deadites. By the end of the movie, when you see them in zombie or in like deadite gear and stuff, they're actually men dressed as those characters because those women are long gone. They don't know where they are anymore. This is like four years later, you know. And so, like Ted Raimi, like played played one of the women, um, Henrietta. No, 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 that's Evil Dead Two. Oh. I'm talking about the the original one. 
but you know he's like we made this thing forever ago and then we make like a second one and we're doing better you know and people like that and we make a third one and it's like okay we're done we made a trilogy we're done he's like sam raimi goes on makes spider-man becomes like an a-list director He's like, I go on, I do burn notice. I'm like, we stay on the air for seven years. It's the highest rated cable show for seven years. He's like, we're doing great in our lives. And every time I go, like I see anybody on the street, all they ever say to me is, so uh, when are you going to play? When's Evil Dead 4? (laughs) So I was like, so then we do an Evil Dead movie and people are coming up to me like, uh, so what do you think of that movie? Like really negative. He's like, well, I'm a producer on it. So I liked it. (laughs) He's like, so basically what I've discussed, and he says like it made 84 million or something, but he's like, basically the lesson we came away with is that we got to give people what they want because no amount of success is going to make people stop asking for more (laughs) evil dead. So he's like, there you go. You get the old guy till the wheels fall off. (laughs) Well, so he said, we're just going to run this show into the ground until people are sick of it. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, just listened to an interview with him. They had, uh, the chive podcast had a, uh, interview with him and who was the other guy? It doesn't matter. Um, about two weeks ago, was it one of the guys from the show? No, it was it was another equally famous person that okay. was just on the show at the same time. No, never mind. I was, I'm thinking of two episodes. <laughs> no, they had one that had uh, Chris Pine and oh, who was the other? Uh, that one doesn't matter either. But they had they had <laughs> Tangent two Central. <laughs> they had two main guests on that. Anyways, he was talking about the uh, Bruce Campbell was he was talking about the uh, the evolution of uh, Ash over the years. He says when they first did him, he he likes playing Ash because it was um, not the right person for the job, but the only person for the job. Yeah. And, and he's, really, he's a, not- really a reluctant hero who's not really suited for what he's doing in the first one yeah he's just a victim yeah like he's really just a victim but, in that first movie but he continued said he continued that on through the other two movies um and then he said the best part about redoing ash versus or doing ash versus the evil dead is take that reluctant out like not right for this hero and age them 30 years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you have somebody who's really not right for doing this work. And what's really interesting is the progression of the character too. Like in Evil Dead 2, he's like, he's still very much a victim. And you're starting to see a little bit of blowhardiness. Just a, just a touch, right? Yeah. Like when he builds, when he builds the, uh, the, chainsaw hand the chainsaw hand yeah and he's like groovy you know and and things like like just just a touch just a little smattering you know and then like army of darkness which they're not allowed because of the you know de laurentis company they're not allowed to touch anything from evil darkness which is too bad because it's the best it's the one you could watch yeah i think you did watch i did watch it yeah it's really funny it's like a comedy fantasy it's really very loosely like an evil dead movie but like they took that character from it they didn't like they're continuing it from evil dead and evil dead 2 but they're like no the ash from army of darkness that's the ash that we're doing yeah which i absolutely love because that's everybody's favorite ash well like the dude who's like 
can kick demon ass, but like he's ca- he's a coward, like he's a braggart. He's like not a good person in any way, shape, <laughs> yeah. or form. He's a womanizer. Like you just go down the list, and it's so great because it's like it's not even the reluctant hero. But like he's just heavily a jackass. Flawed. Yeah, yeah, he's a jackass. Like I can't. I honestly can't think of a comparison from any other thing. Like for a main character, like an act, like an action kind of hero. There is no comparison. Nobody else is a jackass like Ash is. And that's why people love him so much, I think. It's just like, he's the worst. Did you see the call? They did do a call out in that episode to uh, Army of Darkness, though. Remind me. Um, At the beginning, when Lucy Lawless is flipping through the Necronomicon, Uh she lands on a page, and it showed the... uh, But it was inked in blood, but it was... Um, him holding up the chainsaw hand in front of the castle. So, so here's the thing: that is an Army of Darkness. It's also an Evil Dead too, because they they talk in one scene where um, it's the daughter of the professor is with him, and she holds open the book, and uh, she's like, "This talks about a chosen one who banished all the evil." And he goes, "Oh well, he did a really good job." And you can see the page, and it's a dude holding up a chainsaw hand. It's so clearly him, and the moron doesn't even pick it up when he's like looking at. It. So that's how they get away with it. It's also a callback to Evil Dead too. But yeah, it is an Evil Dead. Like all of the pages that you see in Army of Darkness are also an Evil Dead too. At the beginning, when you see the pages scroll by, and then that one scene with like the the chainsaw hand. That part is one of my favorite parts of Evil Dead too, though, because it's like it is like. That little scene is really the beginning of Ash in a way, like the Ash that you're going to get to know. And I was just thinking about this today. There is literally five con- uh, five hours of Evil Dead out there, if you don't count the remake, that we get to see now. Like, what a great world. <laughs> I'm so happy. Or did I say five? Excuse me, ten hours. There is ten hours of Evil Dead out there for us with more coming. Lots more coming. Yeah. So excited. <laughs> yeah, it this first episode was so good. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much fun. He goes back to his hometown and sees his dad, and you find out like there was definitely fallout from killing your girlfriend. Yeah. Oh, she's slashy. That <laughs> <laughs> was a lot of fun. And just, I thought it was really fun to watch him just getting just humiliated in yeah. that bar scene. Well, it makes you feel for him, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like and they they have to do that a little bit because like Ash is such a bragger, but every now and then you have to do something where you're like, oh, he's all right. Like for example, Army of Darkness. When we get the the this version of Ash, right? Like in Army of Darkness, he's a fucking terrible person, and then his girlfriend gets stolen by a demon, and then like all of a sudden he's heroic. Just long enough until he sees that she's ugly and then tells her, honey, you got ugly. (laughs) And like, you know, back to his jackass self, but you get just enough of it to keep you in with this character. And the the show has been good about that because it's like you get like three episodes uninterrupted of him just screwing everything up and being a terrible person. And then they'll have like a little moment where like uh, it becomes El Hefe. I mean, not not like kicking ass, but I mean like an emotional thing. Yeah. Like when he goes back to the cabin, for example, in uh, season one, 
and he leaves the people behind because he's afraid that they're going to die and he cares for them. Like that was a legitimate, like emotional yeah. thing. You're not going to see emotional growth from him, but you do get to see that belly just enough to, to remind you that you, that you're supposed to root for this guy. You know what I mean? This is, and it also sets up when he sells out the whole human race at the end of the first episode, which is pretty great. Cause it's a, like that. And that's also, by the way, what I love about this show, it's all his fault. <laughs> like the movies really aren't his fault. There's certain things that are his fault, but like the whole thing happening, it's really not his fault. But like this shit is all his fault. <laughs> like he got stoned with a girl who was way too young for him. He shouldn't have been with. He like re- pretends like he's reading poetry to her and like summons the dead. <laughs> then he like summons this demon. Like a, he's trying to summon a mouse demon to take care of this other demon really bad demon that they summon which like makes it worse like everything he does he like temporarily solves problems but but just by like it's screwing out the long term for the the short term game yes yeah. like he's hor- like this is his, all his his, his long game is really subpar <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's real bad uh, what I'm saying. the other thing i um this is terrible podcast right here. Okay, well, while you're thinking about it, I had one other thing I wanted to bring up. Um, this isn't new news, but I did want to talk about it because I'm really happy about this. So, when we were like in high school, Mystery Science Theater 3000 was a thing. And uh, I really enjoyed it back in those days. It it's, was really ahead of its time because... Like nowadays, I mean, we do a podcast where we talk over a movie and we do make fun of certain things, but not to the level that Mystery Science Theater, you know, did. And now it's just like there's so much stuff like that. Like when you look at what the kids today are watching on YouTube, it's like Annoying Orange and it's PewDiePie and it's all this shit where they're like watching movies and watching video games and doing commentary over and, and you know, like trying to make it funny. That's like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 thing like all these people what they probably have in common was they probably watch that when they're in high school and so now they're they're they got jonah ray from the nerdist and they're doing 14 episodes on netflix and i'm so happy about this because when you watch the old episodes there's definitely funny parts but a lot of it is a little bit dated but now they can like do it today and I just think it's going to be great. They brought in like Patton Oswald as a writer. They brought in um, uh, who's the guy who does Community? Dan Harmon. Yeah, yeah. They brought in Dan Harmon as a writer. They brought in Joel Mc, uh, McHale. Uh, McHale is as a writer. Uh, like they're doing this right, man. They got the all the people who are integral to the show before. But they're updating it, and they're getting like really great comic voices to add to it. And I guess they did it through a Kickstarter campaign. It's the most successful Kickstarter campaign in history. They were trying to make three episodes, and they were looking to raise like three million or something. And he thought they might be able to do it in like a month. And they raised the three million in like a day, and they wound up getting fifty-one million. So they like extended it out to fourteen episodes. They got a contract with Netflix. And I guess they might just like lose the Kickstarter after it's done, like for like a season two if they do it. So I'm just happy this show's like still existing. It's- Is well, 
I know that the people that were doing it did uh, riff tracks live yes. yeah. for a long time. Mm-hmm. So are they going to drop the riff tracks? Or? I honestly don't know. I didn't hear them talking about it. But like they're putting all their energy into the show. And the guys who did the robot voices, like they're still doing the robot voices. Fun. And they were doing the riff tracks. So you're, I mean, why do you need riff tracks at this point? Like, it's, no. You're getting the original deal again. <laughs> And you know, and they were pointing out that there's no shortage of bad movies out there. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's probably true. Yeah, I was watching because I was like hearing that on the same interview with Bruce Campbell. It got me excited, and so I went and watched. I found out Hulu has all of the Mystery Science Theater three thousands. I was like, oh, I've watched a bunch of them on the Hulu. Oh, so you're still on? You're still on the MST train? Nice. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I hadn't watched one for years, and I watched Ma- the one with Manos, Hands of Fate today. That one is great. So funny. <laughs> that movie is so awful, and like, I had always heard that on the list of worst movies ever made, but you always hope it's, usually when they make those lists, it's like funny movies, like they're so bad, they're great. That movie is not so bad, it's great. It's just bad. <laughs> Like, it should not be listed with, like, Plan 9 from Outer Space or Flash Gordon or any of those movies. Because, like, those movies have charm to them. There's no charm to be found in, like, Mano's Hands of Fate. It's fun to watch them make fun of that movie. Like, just, like, the movie is, it's pointless and it's terrible. Like, it's basically this disabled guy who runs a hotel who works for a master. And you find out the master is, like, a... Cult leader? I don't know. Yeah. And he's got like a cape kind of deal with like a giant robe and it's got two red hands on like each like thing under his arm. And like he's got seven wives and there's like no point to anything. Like nothing pays off. Nothing makes sense. Like there's you don't care about anybody in the movie. It's just bad. It's just bad. But it was delightful watching them slice up that movie. Uh, so I look forward to more Mano's Hands of Fate style like movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did find what I was uh, going to talk about. The, the other thing in that podcast was uh, after the first season it aired, stars came at them with a bunch of notes. Are we talking about... Uh, which oh uh ash Ash versus evil dead Dead. um and most of them had to do with uh how they were handling guns on the show Mm -hmm. and the one thing that he uh they had really pointed out is like people that use or handle guns don't like talk with the gun if you know what i mean like person Imagine a person talking with their hands, but with a gun in their hand. <laughs> right. It's pretty dangerous. <laughs> or like just sweeping in front of people talking and stuff. He's like, but Ash would do that. Yeah, <laughs> totally would. That's the thing. It's totally unsafe, and you get why the legal department brought it to him, but like, that's Ash right there. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. He's like, no, we get what you're saying. Like, this shouldn't be a thing, but Ash doesn't isn't a trained gun professional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ash is one of those guys you don't want to like hang out with in real life. You just want to watch on a TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, who wants to go after demons? 
<laughs> I kind of do as long as I can be in Ash's group because otherwise it doesn't look like a fun time. Yeah. Yeah, if you're not part of the main group, you're going to have a bad time. I still feel like that main group, somebody's going to die from it. Like, I feel like one of those two is going to die, not Ash. It's He's probably the- Pablo. Poor Pablo. It might be. It might be her too. I don't know. But I feel like at some point they're going to want to like raise emotional stakes. I'm not even saying season two, but at some point they might want to kill off a character. It's got to be one of those two because it sure as hell ain't going to be Ash. No. <laughs> like if they kill off Ash, just it's cancel done. the season. His name is in the title. <laughs> you can't kill yeah. him off. Yeah, I think you need Bruce Campbell for that. Yeah, he's pretty integral. Do you know he lives in Oregon? No, where? I don't remember. Oh. He's up he's over on the eastern side. No of Oregon. Um because we went there. Where was Bend, it? Bend maybe? Where was it that Because we he's to? off the coast. It was uh it was somewhere that we played on tour. I remember we played in an ice cream shop. And me and Greg went to a couple bars, and I was really hoping against hope that we would run into Bruce Campbell, but that never happened. Is it maybe Bend? There's a lot of celebrities that live over there. No, I don't think it's Bend. I would have remembered Bend. I almost want to say Bannon, but I don't think it's Bannon. No, I would have heard if it was Bannon. It'll come to me when I'm off (laughs) the air. Somebody's looking at Wikipedia right now like we're an idiot, but like, fuck you, we don't have Wikipedia in front (laughs) of us. (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) Yeah, I guess he's got a bunch of land somewhere. So, like, oh. he lives in Oregon. He likes to to mention it all the time too. So, oh, well, maybe, maybe it's Central Oregon somewhere. If he has, I don't know. He uh, he was talking about the, on that podcast because I list, I just ate up every second of that podcast. Yeah, um, he was talking about the the big bookstore in Portland. Yeah, yeah. Frequents very, yeah. That is the very most frequently. wonderful place in the it's world. It's amazing. It is bigger than any library I have ever been in. That's where I got that gigantic Curse of Lonzo, Hunter S. Thompson book. Was it Powell's? Like every book I've ever looked for, I found in there. That's where I got my autographed Clyde Drexler book that I didn't even know was autographed till after I bought it. Ooh. And it's like autographed by him and the by author. Clyde. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, didn't I show you yeah, that? Yeah, I saw it. I, I mean, you were with now. me when I bought it. That's true. <laughs> People have gotten married in there. It's a great place. Yeah, it's lit, like it is a huge city block, and the bookstore takes up the entire block. And then like, there's they literally an have they've got like what nine rooms on the ground floor. I think it's like Probably. nine, and they're like one's all blue, one's all orange, one's all yellow. Like it's it's. Yeah separated by sections so that yeah. you can go through there. And I mean, you can order stuff online too, but it's like, it's just a fantastic and it's a place to go. Through. Coffee shop and they shelve new and used books together. And they were told they were crazy when they did that way back in the sixties. It's great. Cause there have been times that I bought the new book because I'm just like, I'm going to use this thing a lot. Like yeah. I'd rather like I bought some D and D books through there. Um, like I bought a stack of them when we were first started playing D and D and, uh, like I, I bought some brand new ones cause I was just like, these ones I can get to use ones, but like these ones I'm going to use a lot. So I'd rather get new ones so that they don't get all worn down. 
um yeah i think it's great the way that they stack everything together and you just see so many books you never knew you wanted but it's just like you walk into a section it's just like yeah the comic book section man when i went in there there was like an entire wall of just graphic novels just an entire wall you have to like literally get on a ladder to see all of them it's yeah. fucking phenomenal. And if you find something you want, and since they have new and used, you can kind of see, and the used are at various prices depending on the conditions, so you can kind of pick, do I just want the cheapest one? Or Yeah. yeah. Hey, by the way, we were talking about Hastings a couple of weeks ago on the show, like how uh, we've just been cannibalizing this place. I was looking at the graphic novels, and I didn't see anything I wanted. Like I was like, I don't know if I could spend like $1.50 on this one. So now everything's 70 to 90% off. So I took that final pass through there. I found five graphic novels that I was willing to pay 65 cents to a dollar for, <laughs> which yeah. is what I wound up what, what did you end up picking up? Um, I got, so I got an incredible Hulk Marvel Knights book. Um, I've got a Hulk where he's working with shield. I got a Spider-Man book. Um, I got an ultimate fantastic four book, which I don't know how I miss up before I would have scooped that up at the dollar 50 price, but I'm glad I got it for 65 cents instead. <laughs> and, uh, I got something else I don't remember off the top of my yeah. head. And I got a couple movies for 49 cents a piece. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I got Christmas presents, dude. I got, I got a couple of hats that were spendy. That wound up being not so spendy. Yeah. Like it was it was literally fifty dollars worth of hats that I got for like oh God, what was it? Like eight dollars or something? Something <laughs> fucking insanely cheap. So yeah. yeah. Uh I'm sad the store is going, but part of me is a little bit happy. Plus I bought <laughs> got like ten magnets for my fridge. I got a Luke Cage magnet. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's 70s Luke Cage, the best Luke Cage. I mean, not for like writing quality or artistry or any of that, but like it's just funny to look at. I like it. He looks like a black Hulk. I mean, that's what you said, kind like muscle wise, yeah, but. But I mean, because his shirt was like coming off, you know? <laughs> yeah. He looked. <laughs> He looked more like Shaft to me. Like Shaft wearing yellow and blue clothes. Can you dig it? (laughs) (laughs) We should end on that note. Take it easy. Respect that outro. Okay, since Zach's coming in, I will. Not next week. I don't actually have debates on my show. It's called That's Debatable, but I don't really have an affirmative or negative debate, really. It's not a win or loss kind of debate. The way that I've organized the show is to kind of try to talk about arguments um, as opposed to having any one argument in particular. I think talking about arguments is a fun way to have an argument. You're kind of arguing with people as opposed to necessarily against them. A not safe for network podcast. Take that OD, you drink it down to the label. Yeah. You uh, get yourself a funnel from a gas station. <laughs> uh, you then pour sauce in up to where the, the malt liquor started. Fill her back up. Mm-hmm. So you got yourself a little bit of a buzz on because you just drank about a third of a bottle of malt liquor. Put it inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Experience what we just had the absolute privilege of mm-hmm. experiencing in such a thickening. Yeah. I don't see any way that anyone's ever going to regret this. No. We had a good life. 
When Wilford Brimley is telling you that that's what he's going to do, you're like, oh, wow, it must be aliens. It's totally because the mustache. Yeah, yeah, believe the mustache because when he is in the thing and he is missing the mustache. Bad news. There's something about him that's not right. And the characters pick up on it right away and they lock him away. (laughs) You know, the plot suggests it's for other reasons, but he is a man that should have a mustache. And when he doesn't, it codes for strangeness. And just all around wrongness and weirdness. The Alien Movie Project. Hi, I'm Biggs. Check out my podcast, Biggs on Film, where I do insightful commentaries on films that you love. Uh, Gort the Robot, they call him Newt. Yeah, Newt. Like like he's uh, Norwe- like, Norwegian. Yeah, he's mostly Norwegian. Mostly. <laughs> the two fancy skeletons in the back are the worst. Dude. I know, they're the best. Like, it's no wonder they lost this battle. <laughs> That's a gross-looking punching bag. Dude. Oh yeah, I'd be that punching. About getting salmonella punching that bag. I think he might have given that punching bag salmonella. Well, every now and then it's insightful. Find us on iTunes.